And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 373, a.k.a. Year 8, Week 18, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your live podcasty, broadcasty, uh, we do it on Clubhouse. Join us there. The club is the Anarchist Experience. Um, I am at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. So at me to get the little notification on the club uh, if you want to listen to it live and or participate in the live Clubhouse broadcast. Uh, that being said, uh, usually I throw it over to you guys, but the big story in the news, unavoidable, uh, mass shootings again, this time in Texas. And I'm going to say... A controversial response. Uh, you had some thoughts, KS? <laughs> well, about the shooting, um, I guess one big item on there was that the police were there for over an hour. Yep. Um, and didn't do anything. Waiting for backup, I hear. There's, it's unfortunate that it's not a meme. But there's like a, a news story going around. Apparently, they were interviewing one of those police officers and said, why didn't you go in? And the response was, well, because our officers were afraid they might get shot. <laughs> so that's a thing. Serve and protect. But, you know, we, we also got to get home to our families. So they didn't go in. They waited. Which, in a way, is another argument why, you know... Uh, the people clamoring for for gun control say, "Well, you've got to you know you rely on the officials on the on the police." Well, this is clearly a case of where the police um, weren't doing anything, right? And those same people are the ones not months ago calling for something that I would probably agree with, which was defund the police, right? They're too violent against minorities. Stop giving them money, and then now it's well. You can't have guns because the, the only the police can do it. But this is the police response when there's an active shooter. I was I just read something that the police department went through active shooter training uh, a month before this happened. How convenient! Uh, so, <laughs> de depending on what kind of active shooter training they went through, um, a lot of it. <clears throat> I mean, active shooter training for civilians is like how to avoid getting killed. So. Things like playing dead, which one of the kindergartners did. Amazingly or, enough, or yes. Smeared myself in blood and hid under another classmate. Was basically um, how she survived. Yeah. Uh, so hiding behind things or locking doors or you know running, you know all these things. You know, and ultimately uh, throwing things at the guy if if he can't do anything else. You know, there's all kinds of different things you could do strategies. Um, but if you have a gun, then the active future training should be uh, end them as fast as possible. But yes, so oh man, 
where to begin on that. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, I, uh, I have a, I have a moron who's also like a friend and you know, all this went down and he sent me a message on telegram. He's like, citizens should have lasers. Like they're all like only the cops should have guns, but citizens should have lasers so they can fucking like blind the guy. Right. As he's going around, I'm like, I don't even know how to unpack this dude, but there's like, those are the two <laughs> dumbest things I've ever heard. And you text me a lot of dumb shit. Right. Um, conversely, after this shooting, there was an active shooter at a graduation, right? Like some, some, some dude fired off some AR rounds sporadically into a graduation ceremony. And he was put down uh, by an armed citizen with a pistol, right? So there's something to that, uh, you know, active shooter self-defense aspect of it. Uh, several months ago, there was another shooting um, I don't know how many months ago it was. I forget what it was. And the topic came up on, on free talk live. Um, and at the time, you know, one of the other, the other hosts of free talk live was like, Oh man, if I, if I had my gun, I'd like totally go in there and like fucking hero and save the day. And I was like, man, I kind of want to say like, take a step back on that because I don't think I would ever voluntarily enter into a gunfight personally right? That's not my thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run in there and like rescue all the kids and like try to take, if I'm safe, um, some, like some of the parents and I can get my kids out and however many I can while I'm in there. Yeah, sure. Like life on the line for those you care about, but I'm not trying to be the hero in an active shooter situation just because I'm carrying a firearm. So I don't, I don't want to say that, you know, the active shooter situation is like, well, if you have a gun, you engage. Right now, if you have a gun and, you know, he's engaging or she, whatever, uh, then, you know, take whatever steps necessary to re-engage and defend yourself. But if he's engaging over yonder and I can escape by going this way, right, I'm just going to escape personally. Um, and if we want to say, like, absent police protection, that still might be the case, you know, because if I'm if I'm just like shopping in a grocery store and some dude like walks in with you know uh a, a, a you know a rifle or a shotgun or whatever the likelihood is that i'm only carrying a pistol and i don't know if i want to get close enough to engage at pistol range while he's got more accurate weaponry right like good for this chick who you know who put down that the shooter at the graduation but i don't know if i don't know if i would enter into the firefight personally so all that being said, active shooter training for police officers should be how to engage the perpetrator, right? Like you don't take, police officers don't take the same training as citizens for those types of things because they're expected to act differently, right? They're expected to engage and go in and put their life on the line and, you know, like the sign on the car says, protect and serve, right? Not defend yourself. Because for all of they did, they could have just stayed at the station, right? If you're going to show up and not do anything, why bother showing up? <laughs> and not only that, right? Here's the other thing, KS. You probably, I don't know what news sources you get over there. They showed up, didn't engage, and prevented parents from engaging. Right? Really? I, mean, were, I, I, I imagine there were parents that were nearby, and in Texas, some of them had guns. And 
were prevented from going in. I didn't real I didn't so, hear about it, but it doesn't surprise so me. So here's two for you. There was a dad, right, who wanted to go in and engage, and they tackled him and tased him and prevented him no. from going in. You're kidding. That's I'm not how kidding. they stopped him. That's oh in the news. Gosh. So and there was a mom who they handcuffed who then broke free from the handcuffs, ran away from the police, ran into the building, and rescued her two kids and got out of there while the cops sat around, thumbs up their asses, man, thumbs up their asses, like waiting, you know, waiting for the shooter to run out of ammo or so whatever the, they were doing. Then the, the border guard showed up, and the local police department prevented the border guard from going in. Right. They're like, okay, you little punk bitches can't do it. We'll go do it for you. Eventually, the border guard did make it in and did end the whole thing. Neutralize the threat. Right. But we're prevented. We're initially prevented by local cops from going in and doing the job that, you know, theoretically, whatever side you're on, like, that's, that's why they take your tax money, right? This is the situation. The protect and serve. We can, we can, you know, we can bitch and moan all day about, you know, uh, code enforcement and catching speeders and all that other nonviolent crimes, right? That's, that's why we don't need the police, but active there's shooter a, in a school presumptively, another, what's that? Another, there's another conspiracy theory that's coming out of this and there, there actually is a, a cop that is being investigated as a co-conspirator. Okay. I could see I, that I too. I don't know too much. I don't know too much about that, but I, I can't imagine why a, a cop would be conspiring with uh, an eighteen-year-old. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I'm gonna. Uh, well, okay. So follow the money, uh, because here, you know, if if you want to get like, here's here's the real conspiracy, right? Like, I don't. I hate being conspiratorial, but there's certain people. Right, and then when their brain works, they frame it a certain way, and I go like, "Yeah, you have a, you have a fucking point, right?" So, eighteen-year-old kid um, living at home with you know grandma or whatever has access, to, like went out and just bought, just purchased, you know, two high-end, relatively high-end uh, AR-15s. Right. The last report I saw this morning said like 1,600 rounds of ammunition. Right, someone Another report said like optics and some other stuff. Goes to the school, from the outside, shoots into the building, and then walks through like the only unlocked door in this lockdown school. Right? So he's, you know, he's got readily available firearms. But way out of his he budget. He shot into the school even before he entered? Uh, that's, I, I saw an article that said that. If I'm mistaken, please correct me, but I did see that. Hmm. From the outside, shot in uh, before entering through the unlocked door. Right? So this is an elementary school. You know, like, you know, I say you know, for, for the security of the students or whatever, this is how it is in today's world. Right? The doors are locked. No entry. Right, you come in through like the one main door by the office or whatever. You announce that you're a visitor on campus and whatever, um, or get buzzed in. I don't know how that works past security, but no, this was like a side door that conveniently left open, right? Conveniently left open. That's that's my conspiratorial. Ter- whenever you say, whenever you hear me say like, "Oh, how convenient," right? 
that's when something sounds fishy to me. So how convenient <clears throat> that when, at when this school the door was left open. When I was in elementary school, none of the doors were locked. And I want to say different time, different place. Like okay, maybe. Uh, well, but when you say locked, of course, it's locked to the outside. But all it takes is one student going out or one any any person going out, and then it doesn't close properly, you know? Okay. Um, or, or maybe, you know, somebody standing next to it, even if somebody walks out, then uh, they walk right in. Because, you know, it's not rocket science getting in a... a doors like this i i hear what you're saying and again i'm gonna i want to say different time different place because when i went to elementary school much like umc um, i don't know what your school looked like but there was no inside the building for me right the hallways were open air to the outside um and you could you know you could get anywhere from anywhere it wasn't like a big ass fucking cube rectangle that you went into and there were no windows to the outside world like my you know my elementary school you could, you could literally walk in off the sidewalk down the stairs and you were on campus. And, you know, a few more steps, you were inside a classroom. Um, but that's... Especially at this rural uh, community. I mean, it's, right, this, it's a very rural community. It's not... I, I can't imagine any, <clears throat> any elementary school being hard to get into at all. No. Okay. But, then, but all the other doors were locked, as they were supposed to be. And he found, you know... He found the one door after sh- after shooting into the building, meandered about and just happened into the one door that remained unlocked or that was unlocked. Like you, you don't see a problem with that. Fine. Right. It perks my ears up when I hear it, especially, especially again in, in the, the current world that we live in. Right. Like when I went to elementary school, I didn't have to walk through metal detectors either. Right. But that's, that's the reality of, of elementary school for kids today, right? And when I went to elementary school, we didn't have a campus resource officer. There was no police on campus. We didn't need that shit. If you were in trouble, you went to the principal's office or the vice principal's office. And that was it, right? There, there, was, there was no need um, for the, that excess security. And yet, in a lot of elementary schools, that's the situation that it is today. So... Given the current situation, I know it's not what we experienced in elementary school, um, but shit's locked down now. And a lot of it has to do with like events like this where weird people get on campus um, for whatever. It's just, you know, like I said, it's the world we live in. But when I hear like all the doors were locked except this one, right, my ears perk up. When they say like the, you know, the, the two Daniel Defense AR-15s, you know, with, with optics and whatever, like my ears perk up when they say 1600 rounds of five, five, six ammunition, like my ears perk up because not too long ago, 1500 rounds of ammo was $1,500 on top of the $5,000 of rifle equipment for a dude who was like living at home with grandma and grandpa who were none the wiser. I'm guessing almost any credit card has has a credit limit greater than that. I mean, maybe he just stole his grandmother's uh, credit card and went to the store and, and used it to buy the, you know, the stuff, you know, it only, I, so I don't know, 1500, even if it's $1,500. Well, of course the gun too, but two of them. Yeah. Yeah. $5,000 worth of firearms equipment and $1,500 worth of ammunition. Like I get it. You could have stole your grandma's credit card, but if you go into a man, I don't know what the gun shops are like in Hawaii. 
Um, but if I went into a gun shop and tried to use someone else's credit card, right? Like mm. the, gu- the, the gun shop here, when we were buying ammo, almost didn't sell me a box of ammo um, because the only form of ID I had is a passport. You think I'm going to show up with like Nancy Smith's credit card? And they're like, oh, here you go. Here's two AR-15s and a box of ammo, Mr. Nancy Smith. <laughs> they're smarter than that. Let's give the, let's, let's, you know, I want to extend a little bit of courtesy credit to that aspect of things that you're not going to purchase. You're not going to purchase that much um, with grandma's credit card, with, a, with stolen grandma's credit card. But hey, if it's believable for you, fine. He stole grandma's credit card, got six, $6,500 worth of firearms and ammunition, and then went, you know what? I'm just going to go to school today. Now, the fact that he bought it legally, right, I'm okay with, you know, if they can trace that, um, because I wouldn't prevent him from buying it, right? There were, there were no red flags, uh, at least on, on the form that he would fill out. Saying that, you know, hey, I might be dangerous to society in some form or fashion, or I'm already a prohibited person. Um, like the, you know, so, so acquiring it, um, I don't necessarily have a problem with. But again, it's, it's all of that conveniently lining up, right? Way too much equipment for an 18-year-old, even in Texas. Conveniently door left open and police not responding as they should, right? So again, other people go like, well, when you lay it out like that, my ears perk up. I go, yeah, could be a conspiracy. If you think that's all normal, fine. You're less, you know, you're, you're more open to, you know, the natural cause of things, right? There, there are people out there who see the 9-11 commission report and go like, oh yeah, that's how those buildings came down, right? Building seven. I go, okay. My ears perk up, right? Explain that one and make it sound credible to me. So if it sounds credible to you, fine. It sounds credible to you. <laughs> but I, 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 I have explained that one before. But <clears throat> Okay. I, we don't have to rehash that here. But again, you know, credible, credible, like nobody's questioning it. Well, okay. I mean, um, puzzles, but I don't... Um I mean, is there more evidence that suggests, um, because to, to have a credible conspiracy theory, there needs to be uh, uh, some other evidence that there an alternative thing could have occurred. Uh, and Yeah, I the mean, alternative is they're trying to pass gun control, and every time they try to pass gun control, there's a tragedy that gives them more political ammunition, right, to further their gun control agenda. So you, uh, it's That's suggesting that uh, that a um, desire to have gun control motivates people to develop a a, a plot to, that that kills a bunch of kids. I mean, it seems a very risky plot uh, if it's un if it's uncovered. Um, but it never gets uncovered because we're the crackpot conspiracy theorists when we when we when we connect the dots. So the motive. Uh, of having gun control seems to be then something other than saving children because um, they're killing children in order to have gun control for what what other purpose would there be? 
that you'd be willing to kill for in order to have gun control? A larger control just, over the vast population, right? Using this fear tactic to to get greater control. Um, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, do I? I don't. I don't have all the history in front of me, right? But every great, you know, uh, nationwide massacre is preceded by disarming the population. Can we at least? Can we at least say there's evidence of that? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. And the United States has remained one of the strongholds of armed citizenry in face of, I'm going to say, a, a government that's attempting to become more oppressive. Is that also fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why would you, would you sacrifice 19 kids to disarm 100 million adults if that's your agenda? Seems like it's an easy choice for those in power and in control. They don't, the, the, for the kids line is a political thing, right? They don't care about the kids, right? Even with the, the whole COVID thing, all the, all the harm that's being done or that has been done, you know, in the name of protecting the children, there are, you know, theories out there that did more harm than good, Right. It, it dumbed down the children, prevented them from learning in a way that's easier for them because humans like to see faces. Again, one of the uh, smarter hosts of Free Talk Live pointed out that if you can't see a human face, your body you know, release, releases like stress hormones. So everyone walking around with a mask kept everyone else in a permanent state of stress because it's not a, it's not a friendly, recognizable human face you naturally put up your, your threat response, right? So everyone's naturally on edge. And they did this to the children in the name of protecting the children with COVID. So even, you know, the, the Buffalo shooting that preceded this, right? Uh, white guy or whatever goes all the way to a black grocery store um, in the name of like, you know, white supremacy. And again, plausible for you probably, but fishy to me when, when they go like, oh, and his manifesto, right, was all the things that those in power are rallying against or trying to rally the population against. And he was carrying the weapon that they've been trying to ban, right? And so, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, coincidence. How convenient. And that didn't garner enough. You know, attention from the population. Like, no one was clamoring for gun control for that one. So, send in the dude in Uvalde. Let's see what happens there. And it was already red flags, right? He was already, you know, um, a, a known threat. And this is my conspiracy theory uh, when it comes yeah, to like. What, what was that part that he was a known threat? That there were red flags about him? Something like that. I don't remember exactly. He, you know, he had posted in some forums or whatever that he intended to do some harm. You know, whatever. No one takes 4chan seriously, but hey, maybe you should start paying attention. But I think in a lot of, in a lot of the other, you know, mass shooter cases, right, they go like, well, this dude had been reported, you know, to the police, to the FBI, to the psychologist. He already had some problems, right? How could he get a gun? You know, well, because that's, that shit's not on the form. Um, but my point is, like, my conspiracy theory 
is that they have like those in charge, those that want to, you know, keep power, retain power, get more power and disarm the population. Right. There's, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have any evidence for this. Just seems fishy to me. They know who these people are, right? Because they have been reported to the FBI. And so whenever the FBI wants to do some bad stuff, right? They use these people. You know, we talked about it a little bit with the, um, the Michigan Gretchen Whitmer um, kidnapping plot, right? Most of those people were confidential informants and FBI agents undercover, right? Who, who tried to get like one patsy to commit an act of great atrocity. And so what I'm saying is that they have a list of these borderline psychotic individuals, right? Who have some sort of teenaged angst or whatever are already on edge. They've already been reported. And then whenever something like this needs to happen uh, to move some sort of political agenda, they go get this guy to do it. In this case, you know, what's his face from Uvalde and what's his face in Buffalo. Mm. That's my conspiracy theory. Seems convenient, right? Oh, no, he just died in a van accident. They blew up the van outside, outside of whatever and took him with him. Well, he might have been in there, but I don't know if he necessarily, you know, detonated the bomb. He just happened to be the convenient patsy uh, for, you know, for those who need these atrocities. I was listening to another podcast, and they, again, brought up, like, the 9-11 thing, right? And how convenient during 9-11 that of all the wreckage, you know, all the fires, all the ash, all the molten, you know, plane wreckage and whatever, uh, an unmarked passport of the Saudi Arabian nationals who took over the plane just happened. We've identified the, 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 the hijackers uh, because we found their passports, in the wreckage, right? Little book, little piece of paper, intact in the wreckage. Plausible, sure. Doesn't raise any red flags to some people, fine. My ears perk up and I go, well, that's convenient. There might be some more to that. And I will entertain theories of more to it than that. Because I don't put it past the government to sacrifice the lives of 19 kids in order to pass a political agenda. They don't care. What do they care? Can you even name any of them? Their lives don't matter. They're a statistic. That's what I'm saying. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of convenience in lining up, you know, what went down uh, and then what the repercussions are going to be, right? David Hall comes out like, I'm making some phone calls. Now, what are you going to do? Can't do much. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what the, you know, we'll see what the political agenda is. Um, what's his name? Beto O'Rourke, that former senator, whatever, from Texas. When he's campaigning for, you know, national office, he shouts from the rooftops, we're coming for your guns. And then he runs for, like, Texas governor or whatever, and he's like, I'm not trying to take away your guns. And then this tragedy happens, and he interrupts, you know, he interrupts the press conference by the sheriff's office, whatever, saying something must be done about these guns. And guess what? I have the solution here. 15 seconds. Here's four common sense solutions 
so that this doesn't ever happen again. Please elect me next time. Right? You think he cares? You think he knows the names of those 19 kids? No. He goes, tragedy, political opportunity. I'm going to I'm going to go yell and get some national headlines and press coverage for being the guy who stands up against, you know, whatever. How convenient that the NRA meeting is happening in Texas this week. Right? Say what you want about the NRA. Uh I'm, you know, I'm I'm a life member uh because it was convenient at the time to become one. So I'm a, you know, card-carrying member of the NRA, life member status. I don't and the reason I did it cuz I don't care to contribute monthly. Or, or annually. Um, I don't care what they do politically. I just, I, I really don't give a shit. Um, but their national meeting is in Texas. And this happens in Texas. And, and you know, gun, uh, pro-gun people don't really like the NRA. Anti-gun people really don't like the NRA. And so they're having their national convention in Texas right after a mass shooting and now they're going to have protesters outside of the event, like, you know, for the next few days or whatever, right? How convenient the timing to turn people against the largest gun rights organization in the country. No conspiracy there. Just a coincidence, perhaps, that in the midst of all this, they happen to want to carry on, and they didn't cancel their meeting, right? Fox News offered 50 solutions to prevent this from happening again. Not one of them is gun control. Okay, good, right? Senator Ted Cruz, the pro-gun senator or whatever, like laughs at victim for, you know, for defending the Second Amendment against encroachment and violation. They chip away at it. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. So they manufacture when they, when they can't do it naturally, they manufacture. And things like this, right, with all the coincidences lined up right and humans that's what humans do we we are naturally inclined to look for patterns no such thing as coincidences you know depending on your perspective and all it, you know everything things happen for a reason they line up for a reason when things line up that well i have trouble calling it a coincidence or you know it's convenient how convenient all of this how convenient all of this, right? And you know this, MC, in the midst of like Democrats about to lose a midterm. So what's back on the table? Abortion rights and gun control. Rally the base. What can we do? We're losing. I don't know. Shoot up another school and get people to vote Democrat to protect the children. And maybe we can pass common sense gun reform. That still won't work. How convenient, right? How convenient that the, the you know, political party losing, uh, losing momentum, about to lose midterms, probably, if that's, you know, if that's the thing that you follow, and all of a sudden, they, their two biggest issues are back in the forefront of what's being discussed in the mainstream news, getting people all riled up and fired up. How can you be against them now? They're trying to protect the children and women's rights all at the same time. Why? Midterms are coming. How convenient. Conspiracy theorist? Conspiracy theory? Sure. Or just a coincidence. Convenient to me. I'll go with conspiracy theory. 
All right. Do we have anything else on the list today? I got a bunch of headlines. You guys got nothing more on that? Like, <laughs> and I, I'm going to uh, listen on my way home because I've got to prepare for 20 people coming over. Okay. You, Okay. All right. Headlines then. Uh, Study, Jersey girls' refusal to pump gas is costing everyone a lot of money. Uh, Headline, hate crimes. I hear your headlines. Headlines are no excuse to throw away the First Amendment. Uh, The the picture for this one is the Buffalo market. So I think I pulled pulled this one before the the fucking Texas guy, I think. When did Texas happen? This this article's from Tuesday. Uh, Headline, Drivers successfully challenge debt-based license suspension. Uh, headline, how Ukraine could become the most libertarian country in the world once peace is achieved. Uh, headline, with public camping a felony, Tennessee homeless seek refuge. Uh, headline, the consent of the governed is slipping away. Uh, headline, Hungary, the country, targets petrol tourists. Uh, headline, when a dollar isn't a dollar... Uh, that's a crypto story for UFC if you want to get into that. And finally, headline, a main couple is suing the state for the right to hunt on Sundays. Any of those jump out at you? Um, how about you? I like the U- Ukraine, but I can't participate as much. But um, anyway, Ukraine becoming libertarian. How do they figure that? Yeah, how do they figure that? Let's get into it. And you can listen and you know hit the button to chime in, raise your hand, and in the club if you want if you have you know if you want to add something uh, but i'll start reading you keep listening how ukraine could become the most libertarian country in the world once peace is achieved uh, public officials say ukraine right now is the most economically free country in the world and some people are fighting to make sure it stays that way when the war is over In Ukraine, libertarian think tanks and politicians are already making plans for the period after the war. The future of Ukraine was one of the major topics at the Europe Liberty Forum 2022 on May 12th and 13th, organized by the Atlas Network, the leading global association of libertarian think tanks. The event was originally due to take place in Kiev, but was moved to Warsaw because of the war. One of the guest speakers was Marian Zablowski, a member of the Ukrainian parliament and of Ukrainian President uh, Volodymyr Zelensky's ruling party. Uh, Zablotsky also used to be a member of the Ukraine Economic Freedom Foundation, a libertarian think tank founded in 2015. Income tax in Ukraine, Zablotsky said, was recently lowered to 2%, and numerous regulations and tariffs had been abolished. We are currently the most economically free country in the world, he tells me. It is beyond extraordinary for a country to cut taxes and abolish regulations while it is at war. Normally, in wartime, government massively increases taxes and expand their reach. In 1942, the U.S. government passed the Victory Act, causing the top tax rate to skyrocket to 88%, a level that rose further to 94% in 1944 as a result of various surtaxes, in Britain, the top tax rate rose as high as 98% in the 1940s, and in Germany, it climbed to 64.99% in 1941. We believe that we were stronger when we are economically free, Zablotsky said, or freer, Zablotsky said. Due to the billions of dollars in international aid flowing into the country, Ukraine is an anomaly of history. 
a country engaged in a bitter war that is more economically free than ever. The goal, Zablotsky said, is to ensure that these economic reforms, which were adopted as temporary measures, remain in place after the war. After the war is a phrase that echoes repeatedly throughout the Europe Liberty Forum. No one from Ukraine discussed how the war might end. Instead, they focused solely on the opportunities that will arise after victory. Uh, Natalia Melnik, representative of the Benditsky Free Market Center, I can't say that word, uh, in Kiev said it would be wrong to aspire to rebuild Ukraine. We cannot aim to return to the conditions of the pre-war period. We need to create something new, Melnik explains. She speaks of a window of opportunity and refers to the findings of the Heritage Foundation's Index of Economic Freedom, which ranks Ukraine as the most economically unfree of the 45 countries in the European region. In the global ranking, Ukraine comes 127th, uh, trailing countries such as India and Nicaragua. The Heritage Foundation identifies Ukraine's property rights, rule of law, and labor market regulations as the greatest deficits. Uh, Roman Wachik, Can- uh, Canada's ambassador to Kiev from 2014 to 2019, and now business ombudsman for Ukraine, takes a more nuanced view. Ukraine is not as economically unfree as the Heritage Foundation's index and other statistics would have us believe. Such rankings only evaluate official statistics, which fail to capture Ukraine's enormous shadow economy. Wachik explains, uh, many people in the West, he says, have been surprised by the fact that Ukraine's army is in a far better state than they assumed. And the same, uh, Wachik says, is true of the country's economy especially in the IT sector, which, according to Natalia Melnik, comprised at least uh, uh, 250,000 technology specialists. Companies make extensive use of tax loopholes. The top rate of tax in the Ukraine used to be 20%, but there is a regulation that allows individual entrepreneurs to pay just 5%. Actually, Wachik says this tax was originally designed for small-scale sole traders, but it has also been used by entrepreneurs, including IT specialists. Everyone agrees that there is an urgent need for reform, especially as so many of the regulations in force in Ukraine date back to the Soviet era of the 1970s. Uh, Tom Palmer, executive vice president for international programs of the Atlas Network, suggested that Germany's post-war minister of economics, Ludwig Erhard, who introduced the market economy after the Second World War, could serve as a model for the future Ukraine. There are also frequent calls for a Marshall Plan uh, for Ukraine. Palmer believed that it is not a Marshall Plan that will help Ukraine, but only market economy reforms similar to those introduced by Erhard. Palmer is undoubtedly right. The economic course charted by Erhard's free market policies clearly contributed more to the Federal Republic of Germany's subsequent economic miracle than the Marshall Plan named after the American Secretary of State, George C. Marshall, which provided aid to relieve the suffering and hunger of populations across Europe after the war. The program had a volume of $13.1 billion. Despite the British receiving more than twice as much from the plan as the Germans, Great Britain did not develop anywhere near as well as Germany. While the British were governed by socialists, Erhard introduced the market economy in Germany, having already devised his policies during the war. Libertarian think tanks in Ukraine have closer links to the country's politicians than similar think tanks in most other Western countries. Alexander Daniluk, co-founder of the Free Market Center, was Ukraine's finance minister from 2016 to 2018, and Zablotsky, a member of parliament, 
believes that a majority of Ukraine's parliamentarians subscribe to libertarian principles. However, the uh, Libertarian Atlas Network also helps Ukraine in a very practical way. Atlas has raised $2.3 million to date in support of Ukraine. Germans and Americans who belong to the network not only contribute money, but also supply medicine, night vision equipment, drones, and body armor to Ukraine. An article in the Spokesman Review appeared under the headline, In Ukraine, an informal web of libertarians becomes a resistance network. Uh, The libertarian program for Ukraine is clear. When we talk about the new Ukraine, we mean three things above all, says uh, Natalia Melnik. Fighting corruption, rule of law, and economic freedom. Maybe it sounds a bit dramatic, she says, but freedom is our religion. Throughout the Alice event and every opportunity, people implore each other next year in Kiev. Uh, End of the article. So, your thoughts, do they have a chance? Like, what happens happens after the war uh, in Ukraine? Well, there's always a chance, and uh, <clears throat> I look forward to seeing a, a more free Ukraine after this is all over. But, yeah, I don't have too much thoughts on it, because it's one of those things you just have to wait and see. Well, it's always, yeah, it's always going to be wait and see. However, I'm, you know, if they can, it's one of those things, right, where in, in the U.S., where we're at, um, when you hear, like, you know, tax rates of 2% and even 5%, Right, I think you might have indicated before MC that if tax rates were that low, uh, you probably find something else to bitch about, right? Like, sure. We need not worry. So in Ukraine, at least, if they can find a way to keep it at two percent and five percent, yeah, just keep getting money from the U.S. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because what the hell's up with that, right? Sure, if someone else is paying the bill, you can keep your tax rates low. <laughs> yeah. But at the, at the same time, am I, do I want to, I, I, I both want to, uh, uh, I'm going to say bitch about, right, the money that's being sent over by the U.S. to the Ukraine, right? That's, that's you're, you're, you're economically harming the American people uh, by stealing their tax dollars or devaluing their current dollars by printing more and sending it abroad uh, to fight the proxy war. So I want, I want that to cease, right? But then I go like, well, if that ceased, then Ukraine would be forced to raise taxes on their own people to fund it, right? Like if you, if you knew that the Ukrainian people were only getting taxed to like 2% and that's why they, you know, not able to fund a war effort, you know, a defensive war effort, but a war effort, uh, does that change your position? It's like, well, no, screw those guys. Fucking pay for your own defense right or leave right if they allow you to leave there were there were reports that um you know fighting age men were prevented from evacuating ukraine at the beginning they were being coerced to fight kidnapped if you will so we got to speak out against that um but yeah if they're like oh no we're gonna we're gonna keep taxes low citizens keep all the money whatever's left of your business or your job or whatever you know rebuild the building that the russians bombed uh, but we're just going to keep getting money from other countries to fund the war effort. You know, that's, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow and a hard position to support too. So hopefully after the war effort, if they're not getting, if they're not getting financial aid, right. Or economic aid from foreign, foreign countries. Um, and they're still able to keep, you know, the, the tax, the tax burden that low. 
um, then hopefully, hopefully that could be the example, right? Look how well Ukraine is doing after a war uh, because they had a low tax burden and a freer market that allowed, you know, uh, individuals and, and uh, companies, you know, who have a profit motive to rebuild Ukraine, however, it, however that looks, right? Let the free market work. Um, let the low tax burden work. But also don't take the foreign aid, right? Because then you can't really point to that and say like, well, this, this is how the free market could operate. So if they keep that, right, the, the, if they keep the free market, the low tax burden and get rid of the foreign aid, and they're, you know, they turn it around rather successfully, uh, not overnight per se, but, you know, quickly back on their feet economically and, and whatnot um, after, you know, however the war ends, uh, then, yeah, I think that would be a great example um, for libertarian policies, I guess, for lack of a better term, or, or the anarchist ideals of freer markets and less government oversight, then great. Then we can point to that and say, like, look, they have done it after a war, and they didn't need, like, war bonds or forced whatever to, to do it. Uh, yeah, it would be good news. But as you said, MC, wait and see. Um, there, I don't, you know, it's a, it's a weird war because again, it seems like a proxy war with the funding aspect of it. And there are some people calling for Ukraine to just, uh, seed the, you know, seed some of the land back to Russia as far as peace. Like, how does that even look? How long can the war go on? Um, is it just, you know, is it Ukraine? Ukraine is propped up as long as foreign actors are willing to fund their defense against the Russians at some point, either that ceases and Ukraine falls or Russia runs out of money first, which seems unlikely. Like, how do you, do you have, you know, you don't have to, but I mean, do you have any foresight or prediction on, on where that ends? Um, <clears throat> yeah, is, that's a tricky one. I don't know. Okay. I don't think I don't think there's any political will on either side to end it. Well, not from Russia, certainly, but well, from, not from not from the U.S. Well, yeah, okay. If you're saying that the U.S., but it's not you know the U.S. is just funding the Ukrainian defense, and as long as you know, as long as the U.S. can print it or tax it from Americans, right? And and again, in the media, convinced the American populace that this is the right thing to do, right? Because Russia bad. Right. Yeah, but that's that's been the story for you know a long time. So I get it. But the tides turned in Vietnam, man. The public got the public got sick of that shit, and they were forced to retreat. So at I, some point, does the public yeah, get sick of I, funding Ukraine? I don't. I don't see the public getting sick of it for a long time. Oh, well, then on it goes, and we shall see. All right. Do you want to do some crypto? Are you in the mood? <clears throat> another one of those uh, out at you. yeah when is a dollar not a dollar when is a dollar not a dollar um one thing that banks do is allow you to take physical currency and deposit it into an account you have with them you hand them a hundred dollar bill and the bank credits your account a hundred dollars they also let you come back whenever you want and get your hundred dollars back you can wait one week or one year or five minutes when you show up and ask for your $100, they hand you a $100 bill or 520s or 1010s. You get the point. 
In short, when you deposit that $100 bill, the bank creates a $100 liability. In order to keep good on that liability, they keep some $100 bills on hand in case you show up. Now, the bank doesn't just hold on to everyone's money. Uh, Some of the money that people deposit get lent out to borrowers or used to buy some sort of asset. In this way, the bank is creating money when it issues liabilities since its dollar liabilities exceed the dollars it is physically holding. Since the bank is issuing dollar-denominated liabilities, they need some way to ensure that your dollar is worth $1. Banks do this by holding some dollars in reserve. When you show up to get $100, they have a $100 bill waiting for you. It may not be the same $100 bill you left there, but it's a $100 bill, and $100 bills are fungible, and so that's fine with you. The dollars the bank holds are only a fraction of the deposit liabilities they issue. On any given day, there are some number of people who make new deposits and some number of people who make withdrawals. Sometimes deposits succeed withdrawals and sometimes withdrawals exceed deposits. Sometimes these excess deposits or withdrawals are predictable. Other times they are not. In order to deal with this sort of thing, the bank will hold some buffer of dollars to cover unanticipated excess withdrawals. As long as everyone doesn't show up at once to redeem their liabilities, this is fine. Of course, if everyone shows up, some people will be able to get their dollars and some people will not. Most of the time, this is not a problem. You promise people that your dollar liability is worth a dollar and you ensure that this is true by holding some actual physical dollars. An alternative to this is to say, forget all that. I can issue dollar liabilities and I don't need to have any dollars at all. I can just promise that my dollar liabilities are worth a dollar. If somebody comes to me with that liability and says, I would like my dollar, I can say, you have one right there. That's as good as a dollar. You have my word. This is clearly different from how a traditional bank works. Banks hold actual dollars and they give them to people who want to redeem their digital dollars for physical dollars. But banks require a lot of overhead. You need buildings and bank vaults and bank tellers. Who needs all that? Instead, you can just go with my plan and just issue dollar liabilities and not store any dollars and not pay any bank tellers and worry about your bank vaults. You can just make a promise. You might say that my plan sounds stupid, but you haven't heard the whole thing. Instead of having a bank, I'm going to issue my dollar liabilities on a blockchain and everyone loves blockchains. So my plan seems a little bit better now. Now that I've got your attention, you might be wondering, how am I going to pull this off? I'll just use supply and demand. I issue the liability and I tell everyone it's worth a dollar, but I issue it on the blockchain and these blockchains have decentralized exchanges. That means that my liability will be traded on a secondary market. But since I understand supply and demand, this is fine. I determine the supply and the people who use the blockchain determine the demand. Thus, when the price of my liability is above a dollar, I will increase the supply. When the price is below a dollar, I will decrease the supply. My knowledge of supply and demand is therefore all that is needed here. Stupid banks. But wait, you wonder, how will I actually go about increasing or decreasing the supply? Increasing the supply could be easy. I could just figure out a way to randomly send it to some digital wallet. After all, this is a blockchain. I mentioned this is a blockchain, right? Of course, reducing the supply would be hard to do this way since I can't just remove my dollar liabilities from random digital wallets. Don't worry, I have a plan. I've studied monetary policy for years. When the Fed wants to increase or decrease the money supply, they conduct open market operations. When I want to increase the supply, I can buy something from people. When I want to decrease the supply, I can sell something to people. However, unlike the Fed, I can't really compel dealers to trade with me. I need to be creative. 
Here's my idea. I can issue a second liability. However, unlike the other liability, this one will have a free floating price to give people an incentive to do the trades I want them to do. I will create an arbitrage opportunity to incentivize the trade. When my dollar liability is trading above $1, people can trade me X dollars of flexible price liability in exchange for X new units of my dollar liability. Since the dollar liability is traded above my dollar, this is a risk-free profit for the trader. When my dollar liability is trading below a dollar, I will allow people to sell me X units of the dollar liability for X dollars of the flexible price liability. For example, if the price of my dollar liability is 90 cents, they can give me that liability and I will give them a dollar's worth of the flexible price liability, a risk-free profit of 10 cents. This arbitrage opportunity allows me to reduce the supply of my dollar liabilities when my dollar liability trades at a discount and increases the supply when my dollar liability trades at a premium. For a given level of demand, these changes in the supply should ensure that the price of my dollar liability is indeed equal to $1. I have thus, required, I have thus created a dollar liability that requires $0 reserves, uses the basic principles of supply and demand, and has market-based monetary policy to keep everything working. Unfortunately, my plan does not take into account a couple of factors. I have created two assets out of thin air. And these assets are self-referential. My one worthless asset is used to make arbitrage profits with my other worthless asset. As long as everyone is willing to play this game and profit from the arbitrage, it works. But suppose someone decides to deviate from the game. This can influence expectations. For example, suppose someone starts shorting both assets. This drives down the price of both assets. If people think that the prices are going to continue to decline, this decreases the demand. In terms of my dollar liability, this is fine as long as the supply is falling faster than the decline in demand. If so, the price will move higher. But remember, when the supply of the dollar liability is declining, this is because I am increasing the supply of the flexible price liability. So the flexible price liability has a declining demand and an increase in supply. Both of these cause prices to fall. Regardless of whether the price of the dollar liability is rising or falling, it must be the case that the price of the flexible liability is falling and falling at a faster rate than any decline in the price of the dollar liability. If the price of my flexible price li liability is expected to decline faster than the price of the dollar liability, then the arbitrage opportunity no longer works. I don't want to trade 90 cents of one asset for a dollar of another if I expect that this other asset will fall 20%. Thus, I have an incentive to sell the dollar liability for some other assets, which further drives down the price. The result is that the price of both of my worthless assets go to zero. So anyway, a few weeks ago, the stablecoin called TerraUSD broke its peg from the dollar and collapsed along with the protocol's flexible price, Luna token. And now you know why. So were you following this, um, the, the Terra Luna? debacle oh, sure. okay yeah yeah so on article on point off base more to add uh that's that's basically it um wow um <clears throat> it's it's a shame that so many people got involved in it and actually that's not that's not all there is to uh terra luna so there there's another part of the scam that was uh and i i call it a scam sure but, um there's uh it's called what is it called um uh it's coming to me slowly but anyway there's another protocol uh, oh anchor so if you uh, stake your 
Luna tokens or the the US actually the UST tokens on Anchor's uh, blockchain. I don't know exactly how that works, but they they promise twenty percent APR. Okay, uh, where does where does that twenty percent comes come Good from? Good question. Well, I think that's what I was well, going to ask. I think they had a deal with uh, Terra Luna, the the company, to fund it. And so, where are they funding it from? Well, they're creating it out of thin air. Um, and so, it, it created a demand for the tokens so that you can stake them, so you can get more tokens. Um, but then, how can it be worth a dollar if they're coming from thin air? So, anyway, so that's what made it a Ponzi scheme was that they were offering uh, unsustainable returns. Uh, so people thought it was basically free money, but and. The, and the scam was, was, oh, well, it's it's algorithmic stabilized token. Um, Whatever that and means. It, exactly. And so people get baffled by bullshit. Um, it seems simple to them because they have a complicated explanation that, oh, well, obviously it works because, look, look how stable the, the token is. It's is worth that, $1. It's worth $1 for six months straight. Of course it's stable. It works. We've, we've found the magic uh, potion, <laughs> you know, that you can take, and, and it will give you 20% returns uh, forever. Um, and so, yeah, pe- people are uh, pretty easily tricked, fooled. Um, is that an ego check? Like you don't want to be the guy who, like, says that they don't understand it and doesn't want to get into it? Right. Like the kid in class who like needs to ask the question but won't raise his hand because no one else wants to pretend that they're dumb too. You don't want to be looked at like the dumb guy. Um so people just get involved and like, Oh yeah, no, I know exactly what's going on. It's algorithmic interpolation. Maybe. I I mean I, I can't say exactly why I mean everybody's reasoning for getting involved in U UST. Um, except the, the, the obvious is there is that there's a 20% uh, re- return rate. Okay. That's, so that's the reason why people did it. They said this is safe. And, okay. of course, it's not safe. Um, they've convinced themselves it's safe because basically something else is safe. So the, the dollar is, you know, in a, in a traditional banking system is, you know, pretty safe. You're not yeah. going to get very much return, but you know, you, you put your money in the bank, and and so they're they're yeah. making a, a false. You lose your purchasing there. power, but you get the same amount of dollars back. Right. <clears throat> so they're making a false equivalency that this this blockchain stuff is is the equivalent of an actual bank, and it's not at all. You know, okay. especially, and and so the the red flags is, uh, and, and you'll you'll definitely see this in your life again. Um, somebody promising uh, high returns. And where does the money come from? <laughs> so. okay. Now, two things. What, what happened with uh, Tether then? Because at one point, Tether was the stable coin, right? Pegged to the dollar. Uh, they said, like, you know, for every dollar of Tether we issue, we have a dollar in reserve to back it. So you'll always be able to, you know, untether your dollars. And then they came out and said, well, we, don't, we can't back all of it. Um, uh, well, the Tether is still uh, a dollar. It's It's been pretty stable. Um, they're the de facto uh, dollar at the moment, but okay. um, pe- that's being challenged by uh, USDC. I think that's uh, a company called Circle. 
Um, so yeah, Tether originally said we're back to one. They ha- they have one dollar for every token. That's what that they said. A, that was a lie. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and then they started using the tokens to buy other assets. Um, and so they had backing for some of it. Um, but how much do they have? Um, I don't know. They they claim that a company in the Cayman Islands. Uh, he verified that they have the funds just in case, you know, people start wanting their value out of their UST, but. Oh, how um, convenient. As yeah. I've said earlier, <laughs> I, I don't think they do. I think it's, I think it's a big scam. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a big scam that, that, that works for most people most of the time though. So if you needed to hold dollars and you didn't want to get out of the crypto uh, environment that, you know, most likely, I mean, I think Tether could fail. Uh, dramatically eventually someday or the government maybe gets in and stops them but okay um at at the moment if you, if you needed to make some short-term trades and you needed a, a dollar equivalent it would probably work but a lot of people are are switching away from from tether because uh because they're not trustworthy not anymore and, and well they never were <laughs> but and especially if you realize the the way it started uh, okay. with uh the the company bitfinex um and all the drama that they had because at one time Bitfinex got hacked <clears throat> and people lost two thirds of their, their Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and so they used another protocol to make tokens to promise people that, Oh, we don't have Bitcoin, but here take these worthless tokens instead trade with these. And, okay. uh, so that's part of the, where the idea of the tether came from was like, Oh, we'll just, we'll just make these tokens and claim they're worth a dollar. <laughs> and away they went. So that, one final question about the Bitcoin then you said like, well, where does, where does those returns come from? Um, I would probably consider myself to be a Bitcoin maximalist, right? Like Mm -hmm. my goal is to accumulate as many Bitcoins as possible. Um, I know you don't necessarily share that philosophy, uh, MC, but it begs the question, right? If I'm, if I'm looking for gains in Bitcoin, uh, where do those gains come from? If not similarly to these, I'm going to say shit coins and fraud tokens. Uh, if not just on the well, open market, uh, Bitcoin is entirely controlled by market forces, and not not any promise <clears throat> of a of a return. So, um, anybody promising that Bitcoin is going to go, you know, be higher next year, um, well, you should probably not listen to them. <laughs> you okay, know? I, you know, uh, well, historically, okay. any five year term with Bitcoin has been higher. And that's what I was so, going to say. That's usually the advice that I give friends or family or whomever I'm talking to. Them, like, just stop looking at it and come back to me in five years. Right? Yeah, you can exactly. bitch bitch at me in five years if you've lost money five years from now. But it's right. it's has been on an upward trend since its inception. You know, on that five year window. Right, and so the 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 best part of Bitcoin is that it doesn't have anything backing it. Um, Full faith and credit a- of the original blockchain. So let's say you have a token and you want to make it have value. Uh, some people were continually come up with this, this same scheme and they say, well, we're going to back each of our tokens with uh, a certain amount of gold. So every token is one ounce of gold and, if, and, and that's where the token is going to have its value. Well, then you have to trust that the person actually will redeem the token in gold. And, and, and so blockchain is, is, is a more trustless system. Uh, at least the way Bitcoin uses it. So um, the, the the trustless nature of the transactions uh, and 
that's just how it works. So okay. it, it's, it's better because it doesn't have anything backing it. Huh? Uh, you don't have to trust anybody to do any backing. Um, and so that's why, that's why UST failed. Um, that's why you shouldn't trust uh, Tether because um, you have to trust that, they, uh, that they're not just going to be continually printing them out of thin air. Yeah, and that's why I don't trust any of these shit coins that people will pitch me. Oh, no, bro, you got to get into this. Like, no, I don't. I'm not going to read the white paper. I don't care. Probably a scam. We'll see. So. Yep. Bitcoin maximalist for me. Uh, final thoughts from you? Um, and I'm a Monero maximalist because um, I don't think crypto is that interesting where all trades can be traced. Fair. And I again, I have nothing against Monero. Just not where my money's at right now. Um, and also, you know, one final thought for newbies getting into it. I think too, too many newbies try to get into the day trading before understanding what's actually going on, right? They go like, you go like, dude, crypto, Bitcoin, right? And they go like, oh man, I just looked it up and there's all this other stuff. Like, what am I supposed to do about this other stuff? And I go, yeah. fucking ignore it, <laughs> yeah. right? Ignore it until yeah, you understand yeah. it. If you understand well, it, you come teach me because I ignore it. <laughs> Yeah, that's there's there's a never ending uh, stream of BS out uh, out yep. there about okay. crypto, and, that, and that's why there's actually there's a whole lot of money to be made, uh, but there's probably more money to be made ripping people off than than there is, uh, you know, just holding holding Bitcoin. So right. at this point, um, and that's that's what's scary. So um, you know, oh, I, I learned something recently. If you if you got time, go for it. Uh, NFTs. NFTs were the, the the big craze for a while. I still think those are all scams too. That's a money laundering scheme in my eyes. It, yeah, definitely could be. Um, but for most people, um, it's <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's hard for people to pass up. I don't know why. It's really weird. Because it's, it's like, non fungible. So so non fungible. Yeah, you only get the one. Well, kind of. Maybe, maybe you don't. <laughs> well, fucking A, there's a problem right there. So There's more than like one, people, it's fungible. People, wait, so it's like you you, you make a promise, oh, oh, we're going to put art on the internet, you'll be able to buy it uh, through the blockchain, and then every all of a sudden, all these people are, in, are, are art dealers, you know, they're interested in buying art all of a sudden when they weren't before. Um, so anyway... The same reason why it's a psychological reason people think yeah. they're going to get rich and that's why they end up buying these things. Um, most, most of the, the transactions are, are fake. And so when you see, see these things trading online for millions of dollars or, or even hundreds of dollars, whatever it is, um, the, the trades that are happening might be the same person with Pumping it up. A, th- a thousand different tokens yeah. uh, tra- trading amongst themselves. And then once, a, a real sucker, a real person comes along and says, oh, this one's been going up for the last two weeks. I'm going to buy it. And then all of a sudden it stops going up. Of course. So <laughs> because the, all the activity was, was fake. Yeah. So, so that's one thing that happens a lot. But the other thing that is uh, interesting about the NFT market is that when you actually buy the NFT, you're not actually buying uh, digital artwork on a blockchain at all. It's a link. You're buying a link to artwork hosted somewhere else. And so you've got this NFT that you paid money for and you, maybe you want to resell it someday. Um, and then you go to resell it and 
someone you know clicks on it to see what it is, and maybe the picture is different. That shit's gone. Or maybe it's not there at all yeah. because you actually just have a link to to some artwork. You don't actually have the artwork at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the internet yeah. itself is littered with broken links from pages gone by. Right. And so I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty sure they have something to mitigate the 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 loss of the actual artwork in most cases. But my 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 point is that that the data that you're buying is uh, the, the the rights to it's you're buying buying the private keys to the rights to a link. Sure. And, and it's and it's silly. It's yeah. it's absolutely silly. I I I don't think anybody should get involved with these things unless they know that and know exactly what it is. Unless and, you're a uh, bad person intending to scam the next guy. How's that? Right. And, sure. And we know you said, why art? I'll just throw this out there and we'll wrap it up. Um, old money bought art because that's how you laundered money and protected yourself against taxes. Right. You buy yeah, that's art, a good, that's actually, that's a valid use case for it, but I don't even think it's that that valid in the case of nfts i get it but now you have crypto money you have new money going like how do we hide it and now you fucking have nfts so it's the (laughs) same idea with old and new technology that's all all right okay wrapping up that'll do it for us you guys know where to find us anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience and if you would like to contribute to this show financially you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.